Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's Word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so glad to see you here uh, on this morning, and we're going to be uh, continuing, actually finishing up this week, our series on James. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's an exciting, we've, we've studied all kinds of things throughout it, how to control our tongue, how to control our thumb tongue. For those of you that were here, you know, sometimes our thumbs get us in trouble with texting things and posting things. And we've talked about, you know, all kinds of things. And, and this is kind of the, the culmination of the book of James. And in fact, it's probably the most controversial topic in the book of James, and it's regarding divine healing, divine healing. You know, I'm sure maybe you've seen things in the past. Maybe you've been flipping through late night TV and you've seen things about divine healing and you've maybe heard things and, and maybe some of you have even, have even been turned off by it. You know, I mean, you, you see some weird and wacky things and you're like, I just don't know about that. I'm not sure I can go quite that far. So what we're going to do is we're just going to let Scripture speak for itself today as we explore what James says. And we're going to begin uh, in James chapter 5, verse 13. You can follow along on the YouVersion app or on the screens or, or on your note page. In James 5, 13, it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? Man, anybody suffering hardships? Anybody suffering difficulties. Man, as a world right now, we are suffering some hardships and some difficulties. What does it say to do though? It says, are any of you suffering hardships? It says, you should pray. Are any of you happy? It says, you should sing praises. Now, praise is really just a, just a prayer of thanksgiving that we sing to God. That's why we sing at the beginning of the service. It's not just because we want to do a, do a, a you know, a concert and impress everyone and and it's not for any of that. It's, it's just a, it's a way of that we can sing our prayers of thanksgiving to God. Says, are any of you happy you should sing praise? Are any of you sick? Man, we, we face all kinds of sicknesses through our life. Sometimes the, the, the smaller things, you know, colds and coughs and things like that. And sometimes the more major life-threatening types of sicknesses. It says, are any of you sick? It says, you should call for the elders or the leaders of the church to come and pray for you, anointing you with oil. And some people get weirded out by that. Like, what does that mean? Like, you're going to take like a bottle of oil and pour it on my head? But no, I mean, the thing with oil is it's just a symbol. It's just a symbol. Just like, like we, we, uh, we do communion. You know, we have communion at every service available. Sometimes we do it as a church together. Communion is a symbol that we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made or, or when we, we do a baptism. It's just a symbol. There's nothing magic about a baptism that makes you any closer to God than before, but it's a symbol. It's a way that we can identify with Christ. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And, and basically what it does is it allows us to put our focus on the Holy Spirit rather than on the one praying for us. You know, because sometimes we're just like, oh, I want that person to pray for me because, man, they're just going to, their, their prayer is, you know, way better than this person's prayer. And, and sometimes like, you know what? It's, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings healing. It's not an individual. It's not a person. 
So it's a way that, that we, can, we can be focused on the Holy Spirit. So it says, are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church and come to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And that's something that, that we do here. It's something you got to request. We're not just going to like do it, you know. But we believe in following the Bible, and it's something that it teaches us to do. goes on to verse 15. It says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, then you'll be forgiven. So the theme here we're talking about is that there's power in prayer. That the prayer offered in faith can accomplish some amazing things. But, but then he kind of twists the plot here. He goes for, from prayer to talking about confessing sin. And he continues in verse 16. He says, confess your sins, who? To each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, now this is a different word. If you look at the original languages, you know, we, we see that, yeah, we, you know, if you're sick, you can come and you can get prayer and you'll get healed. And that word means, means a physical healing. But this word here, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. This is talking about wholeness, being healed throughout, not just physical, but soul and spirit as well. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful Results. Did you know the closest to heaven you'll ever be is when you're on your knees in prayer? That's the closest you'll be to God. That's the closest that we'll be to heaven until that day that we go home to meet him is when we're praying. So, you know, we, we, we hear the talk about people getting healed and we see some things that are kind of weird. So, so what should we believe? What should I believe? What, what does Thrive believe? What does the Bible say about it? And the problem is, is that some people, some groups of people, they, they go to extremes. They grab a little bit of truth and they go to some extremes and they become like this name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You know, it's like if I say it, it's going to happen. Right. And, and, you know, we used to call it like the Cadillac faith. I'm believing God for a Cadillac. And it's like, you know, sometimes we, we go to this far extreme and we see these crazy things and if you don't get what you're praying for, then something must be wrong with you. There must be some sin in your life. And as a result, we feel condemnation. We feel all confused about our faith in God. We feel hurt and we feel wounded. And many people, as a result, turn from the faith altogether. Because some people go to these extremes. Saying, oh, anything, anything I say, anything I say, God is just going to magically do it. He's just my, my genie in the sky. Well, you know, there's another side of this, though. The pendulum swings both ways. And the other way is God doesn't do miracles anymore. God doesn't do... And in fact, I've heard people say stuff like this. They say, that wasn't a miracle. Like, like somebody's out there praying for rain, and then it rains, right? And like, that wasn't a miracle. That was just the weather. I'm like, yeah. But see, you know, it's not that the weather was the miracle. It's the timing that's the miracle. You see what I'm saying? But here's the thing. Some people say, oh, God doesn't do miracles anymore. The, the, the great physician has closed his shop down. Well, I believe that he still does miracles. And in fact, in the last 2,000 years, even if he's only done one miracle, then we know that he is one that still does miracles. 
But then when we start to look at that, we begin to ask ourselves the question. And these are tough questions to ask. Well, why doesn't he heal every time? Why doesn't he heal every time? I got the answer for you. If you're taking notes, get ready to write it down. Why God doesn't heal every time. Ready? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't. But, but here is the thing I do know is that God always does the right thing. God always does the right thing. See, my idea of an answer is limited to what I know. It's limited to, to what I'm experiencing right now. It's limited to, to just my perception of things. But sometimes God's answer, quite frankly, is different. Sometimes God's answer is heaven. Sometimes God's answer is, you know what? It's time for this person to come home and be with me where there's no more weeping, no more crying. Sometimes we forget that, that heaven is where we're going to spend the majority of eternity. But we need to be comfortable not understanding everything, not understanding why sometimes someone doesn't get healed. Or in some situations, I've seen people, God's healed them miraculously, and then like two years later, they die. And, and we need to be comfortable. Personally, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with not having any answer. In fact, it actually comforts me a little bit. You know why? Because it makes me realize that I serve a God that's so big that I can't understand everything that he does. Man, if I could understand everything that God did, then we'd be in a whole heap of trouble. <laughs> you know, I don't understand everything he does. But all I can do is I can put my faith in him. I can trust him that he knows what's going on, that he has a perfect will for this person's life. So here's three observations about healing and, and from the, these verses that we read. The first one, if you're taking notes, is that God still heals people. God still heals people. Some people say God doesn't do miracles anymore, but I, I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it time and time again. Man, well, one thing that happened uh, it, it was in my mom's life. My mom, uh, she had some problems with her eyes. She had a detached retina. She had to go in for surgery for that, where in that process, they like, I don't know, they like pump your eye full of gas and they put like this band around and they do all this stuff and you got to have an eye patch on and look at the ground for like several weeks. Anyhow, after all that, she takes off the bandage and, and, and she gets some glasses and she looks up and one eye is twisted, like twisted, like off to the side. So like, you know how we see everything up and down? One eye sees everything up and down. One eye sees everything on a slant like that. And I mean, she was just like, this is not good. Like, I, I, I mean, how am I going to function? And, and my dad was there. They prayed and, and he's just watching. He's like moving his finger around up and down all this stuff. And, and my dad says that he actually saw her eye turn and it got back in alignment and in fact she sees better now than she's ever seen in her entire life which is amazing you know i believe in miracles my mom had to get cataracts her cataracts removed they put in a lens with no prescription in it at all no prescription at all my mom has horrible eyesight worse than my eyesight okay and i have bad eyesight i have like like 2400 okay so um in other words, I have to be 20 foot away from what a normal person could be over a football field away and see. She's got worse eyesight than me. They put in no prescription lenses into her cataracts. They healed it all up, and she could see perfectly. Man, God does some miracles. He's done miracles in our lives. I believe that he still heals people. And if we look at what it says in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ 
is different yesterday than he is from today, and he's going to be way different tomorrow, right? Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. It says God heal people. <laughs> we got that verse? Maybe not. Hey, well, you got it in your notes. It says Jesus Christ is the what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and, you know, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen times where we've prayed for somebody, and, man, God has, like, miraculously healed them. And then I've seen other times where you pray for someone, and before long they go home to meet Jesus. So how do we, how do we trust in God when we experience both sides of the promise? It's like, what are you talking about, both sides of the promise? How do we trust God in this situation? Listen to what it says in, in 2 Timothy 4.18. It says, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack. Right? Let's say amen to that. God will deliver me from every evil attack. Anybody want that? Yeah, that sounds great, right? It says he'll deliver me from every evil attack. And then he doesn't stop there. His and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Let's think about that for a moment. What's he talking about there? Like, you're going to die, and I'm going to deliver you safely into the heavenly kingdom. See, there's two sides of the promise. He's like, I'm going to deliver you from every attack, and then at one day, you're coming home to be with me. So which is it? Which is it? Is he going to deliver me, or am I going home? Yes. Yes. It's both. Both are miracles. Both are works of God. It's a win-win situation for someone that has chosen to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's a win-win. Christ will either heal me or he's going to bring me safely into his kingdom. I refuse to serve God only with my intellect, only with what makes sense to me, because there's no way that I can fully grasp all that God has. That's where faith comes in, and trusting God at his word. But James, he kind of changed the subjects here. And he talks about our sins being forgiven. And when we confess our sins to each other, we can experience healing. And that's an interesting thing, because a lot of times we believe we talk about confessing our sins to God. But let me tell you something. There is power in confessing your sins to another human being. Someone close to you, someone's not going to go blabbing it out to everybody in the world. Not like, that. oh, can you say that again so I can post that on Facebook, you know? I mean, I'm not talking about that. Somebody you trust, there's power in confessing that. The next observation is that God is more concerned about my soul. God is more concerned about my soul. You know, we get all so fired up about our bodies, don't we? Man, we want to eat well, we want to exercise, we want to work out, we want to, you know do whatever the latest workout thing is. We get all fired up about, about our bodies and taking care of our bodies, and we put a lot of attention. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's good that we try to preserve it. But listen to what it says in Matthew 10, 28. In Matthew 10, 28, it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. You know, right now, there's a lot of people in our world that are afraid of those that want to kill our bodies. We're afraid of terrorism. You know, terrorism, all it is, is just fear tactics. They want us to, to be afraid. They want us to, to live in fear. He says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. They can't touch your soul. That's where the real miracle is. He says, fear only God who can destroy both your soul and your body. 
and hell. If you want to fear someone, fear God who has that ability. See, we're missing the point if we're only focused on spiritual healing. I'm sorry, on physical healing. We're missing the point if we're only focused on physical healing. The real miracle, the real healing is when my sins are forgiven and I'm made right with God. Let me say that again because, because I don't think we're quite grasping. The real miracle is not the physical healing, but it's when our sins are forgiven and we're made right with God. That's when the real miracle happens. See, that takes something that no one else could ever do, no one else could accomplish. That's real healing, healing of the soul. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says, Look, I have given you authority over all power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions. These, these are, are symbols of, of demonic power. And you can crush them and nothing will injure you. Nothing will harm you, man. We love that verse, don't we? Like, oh, I'm invincible. Nothing's going to harm me. But, but there's another verse that comes right after it. And sometimes we like to only read one ver verse and then we close the Bible like, I'm done with that. He says, nothing's going to injure me. Nothing's going to harm me. This is a great verse. I love this verse. We can just like sit around and sing Kumbaya and all that stuff. But he says, verse 20, he says, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Rejoice because your sins have been forgiven. Man, you may have experienced healing in your life, and that's an amazing thing. But don't rejoice just because of that. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. We need to have a time out and realize the real miracle is that God has forgiven my sins and made a place for me in eternity with him. God is more concerned about my soul than about my body. God is more concerned about my spiritual well-being than my physical well-being. And, and it's not that he ignores it because, man, oftentimes he will heal our physical, but he will always, always, always forgive our sins and give us spiritual healing. The next observation is that God wants me to grow, to grow in my faith. This is a major theme here. God wants me to grow in faith. Circle that word grow. He wants me to grow in faith. I often tell people, I, I talk to them or we want to get them involved. I'm like, I don't care where you are in your spiritual walk with God. I don't care. I just want to know if you're growing, if you're going in the right direction or not. Because, man, there's people that have been serving God for 20 years and they, they stopped growing 10 years ago. You know, they're still stuck in spiritual puberty or something. You know, we're like way back there. And God wants us to grow, to mature to be transformed. Hebrews 11.6 says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Man, people would try all kinds of things to please God, don't they? Well, I'm going to do good things. I'm going to feed the poor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all this great stuff, and that'll please God. It says, no, no, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there's a God that God exists, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. If we want to come to him, we need to believe that he exists and that he rewards us for seeking him. So as we continue on in James here, James starts to reference Elijah. Elijah was a prophet from the Old Testament. 
Some of you that have been in church know the Bible is broken down into two parts. And maybe some of you don't realize that there's a, a part that's called the Old Testament, and it's like the bigger chunk of the Bible. It's in the front. And then there's the New Testament. This is where, where Jesus came and all the stuff that Jesus did. So James is referencing Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he, here he says in, in verse 17 in chapter 5, he says, Elijah was as human as we are. Now, some of you that know the story of Elijah, no way. No way. That's impossible. He was like Mr. Miracle Man. Like he, he was he was like doing all kinds of amazing things and miracles and all kinds of great things. No, James says he was just like you. He was an ordinary person. He says, Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Verse 18. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield crops. So, so here's Elijah. He, they're, they're at war with, with King Ahab. There's, you know, the, there's the prophets of Baal. They're serving, you know, idols. They have this big showdown where they're, where they're trying to, like, build these altars and ask their God to light the altars on fire. And, and some of you that know the story, Elijah, he dumps his altar with water, and God ends up lighting it and burning the rocks in the water and, and everything. And, uh, and, and we read this, and we read here, and he says, says, he prayed, and then rain stopped. And three and a half years later, he prayed again, and it started up. But that's not exactly how it went. James is like condensing the story like into one sentence here. Because it seems like, it's like, oh, you know, here he is. He just prays, and boom, the rain's gone. And, but no, he's just like you and me. But let's look back, and let's see his faith journey. And, and we're going to explore some aspects about faith. The first point about faith is that faith begins with a word from God. Faith begins with a word from God. What do you have faith in? What, what are you trusting in? You know, me, I believe that the best thing to trust in is God's word. Man, there's literally thousands and thousands of promises in God's word that we can latch on to, that we can believe, that can transform our lives. And, and here it says in Romans 10, 17, he says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Man, when we read God's word, when we hear God's word, it builds our faith. That's why I encourage people to read their Bible on a daily basis, even if it's only five minutes. You know, that's why we put together a reading plan at thrive.church slash Bible, where, where we'll email you. We're like, we'll take all the hard work out of it. We'll even like put it in your inbox. All you got to do is open the email. Like it's not any, you can't get any easier than that. Most of you like came over to your house and read it to you and that would just be awkward. So just reading the Bible a little bit even, it begins to build our faith. This is faith, that's where it comes from. But in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, back to Elijah. Now Elisha, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. But see, what, what happened is he had a word from God. God showed him to do that. He went out. He was just simply obeying God. It wasn't that Elijah was so powerful. It was that he was listening to a God that is powerful. God's promises, they always happen. And, and you know, sometimes we're like, no, no, God, I'm in the thick of it. God's promises, they're, they're failing me now. 
Man, I was believing one of God's promises and it's just failing. We think that, it, that he's not making good on his word. And then at some point in time in life, or maybe even in eternity, we look back and say, wow, I missed it. I just didn't see how God was working in this situation. So the second part, though, is, is a little more complicated. So, so Elijah prays, rain stops. Great. This part's a little bit uh, more complicated. And this, the, this is the problem. This is often where we are in our journey of faith. This is probably where many of you are in your journey of faith. And, and it's the second point about faith that we're going to write down here. is that faith continues when you hold on to what he said. When you hold on to what he said. If you don't hear anything else this morning, then hear this. Wherever you are in your life, whatever difficulties you face, whatever sicknesses that you face, hold on, hold on to the faith. Hold on to God. I don't know if you're believing God for a miracle in your relationship. I don't know if you're believing God for a miracle in, in your physical health. For, for healing. I don't know if you're, uh, you know, maybe believe in God for restoration or maybe for a, for a new job or for something else. I don't know what it is, but I do know to hold on. Hold on. Don't let go. Don't be like, oh, you know, what? this just hasn't happened. So I, God's just not trustworthy anymore. Hold on. And in 1 Kings 18, we see Elijah prayed. Many of us, we go and pray. We're like, God, help me out of this situation. God, restore this relationship. God, restore the relationship with my parents. God, help me to pass this grade. And we're praying, and Elijah prays here. Eight, Kings 18, 43. And then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. And the servant went and looked. Now, what's happening here? Elijah goes to Mount Carmel, and he's starting to pray. He's praying that God will now send rain. He's like, God, it's been three and a half years. I'm going to pray for rain. The servant went out and looked, and he returned to Elijah. He said, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Elijah says, go out and look. I'm praying for rain. And I know to have rain, we've got to have some clouds. So go out there and look. And he looks, and there's nothing. Nothing there, Elijah. Sorry. Elijah bows his head again, and he starts praying again. Let's go out and look again. Servant so comes back. Uh, Elijah, nothing there, buddy. <laughs> okay, go do it again. And he prays again. Comes back. Anything there yet? No, nothing there yet. Goes out again. Goes back and forth. He says, because I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. At some point, for me, it will probably be like after like number four. I'd be like, Elijah, there ain't no clouds coming, buddy. Like, like, I think you've been in the sun a little too long. You haven't had rain. There's no clouds. I think your brain is a little bit baked, buddy. It's time to just stop acting crazy. Elijah's like, nope, go out and look again. Look out again. I'm sure there's going to be a cloud. Nope, nope, no clouds seven times. And then verse 44, finally, finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw, I saw a little cloud, like maybe the size of a man's hand. Like if I hold up my hand, it's probably about that big. I don't think it's going to rain, but I saw a little cloud. And you know what Elijah does? He gets excited. He's like, that's it. We got it. You know, but sometimes in our life, we're praying for something. We're praying for healing. We're praying for restoration. We're praying for all kinds of things. And we don't see anything happening. And we, we go back, we look out there, and like, no, no, there's, there's no cloud. There. Things are getting worse. 
I'm praying for God to help, and things are actually getting worse. Go back. Go back. And here his servant said, I got good news and I got bad news, Elijah. There's a cloud, but it's only the size of a man's hand. And Elijah's like, that's all I needed to hear, baby. That's all I needed to hear. And we say, well, what's the deal with God? What's, what's his problem anyhow? Is he just trying to make things difficult for me? Why, why, why won't he just do it? Why won't he just do it? I mean, I mean, why seven times? Why did he have to pray seven times and, and then it happened? Why didn't he just do it on the first time? If he could have done it on the seventh, he could have done it on the first, right? He wants us to hold on. He wants us to not give up. He wants us to, to put our face to the ground and seek him and go back and look again. We'll talk about this more in a moment, but, but you know, it's just, we get these thoughts like, why? Why, God? Why, why aren't you just answering my prayer? Galatians 6, 9. It says, let's not get tired of doing what's good. You ever get tired doing what's good? Man, I do. There's just sometimes I just want to flip the guy off that cut me off in traffic. You know, I'm just being real here. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just tired of doing what's good, you know. I'm tired of loving my neighbor. I'm tired of this. But he says, don't get tired of doing what's good. Because he says, in just the right time. At what time? Just the right time. Oh, what's the right time? See, that's the problem, isn't it? We don't know what that is. He says, at just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. How? If we don't give up. He says, you're going you're gonna to get who knows the right time. It ain't you. God's the one that knows the right time. See, there's a process that has to take place. God knows the right time. And he says, you're going to reap the reward if you don't give up. What would have happened if Elijah gave up after five times? It's like, man, forget this. You know, God told me to pray for rain and, and, and it's not raining. And I prayed five stinking times. I'm done. I'm done. Man, we still wouldn't have rain today, probably. But no, what did Elijah do? He's like, I don't care if it takes me 150 times or a thousand times. I'm going to keep praying because he said pray until it rains and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to hold on to it. And in the right time, God's going to come through. Went from no cloud, prayed seven times to a little tiny cloud, just a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time, it's gradual. We have to get used to that. Sometimes it's not just instantaneous like we think, which brings us to point number three. Is that faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Continuing in 1 Kings 18. Verse 45, he says, and soon the sky was black with clouds. I don't know. I mean, what, what does that mean? What does soon mean? Was it like a month later? Was it a week later? Was it a day later? Was it like 10 minutes later? I don't know what the time frame was, but they decided it was soon. So at some point, it says the sky was black with clouds. The clouds, they grew a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. You know, God likes to finish with a grand finale. He likes to finish with that grand finale, like when you go see the fireworks, you know. We go see and they shoot up a couple. We're like, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, but what's the best part? The grand finale where they're just like, we're just going to light it all off, you know. We're just going to like just be a mass of explosions in the sky. And, and God 
likes the grand finale. He likes to finish that way, but it doesn't happen overnight. But it is often better than we thought. The grand finale is better than we thought. I l- listen to what happens here. It's kind of funny, I think. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He became like a superhero or something. It says, he tucked his cloak into his belt. Because, you know, they had like, like cloaks. So, like, I don't know exactly how it would have looked, but somehow he pulls all that up and he tucks that in, okay? So he can run. And he takes off running. says he tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So Ahab, it starts to rain. He's getting afraid. You know, everything's starting to happen, like Elijah said. So he gets in his chariot. Man, these horses are going fast. And here comes Elijah with his little cloak tucked into his belt. And he passes him out all the way to Jezreel. He's like, what in the world? Man, what was Elijah thinking? Like, man, this is great. I wish I could do this all the time. That grand finale was pretty spectacular. He outruns the, the whole chariot. But, but it started with a small beginning. In Zechariah 4.10, he says, Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See, that's a problem, isn't it? You know, it's like when, when I started Thrive Church with a, with a group of people, we started this church here, and it's like, man, man, I got a vision for thousands of people that we're reaching all over Connecticut and all over New England, that we're able to have, you know, multiple locations and people coming to Christ all over. And that's what I see. And then we start and it's like, but we're not there yet. And sometimes it's like, well, I just want to get there. No, he he says, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We don't like to see the work begin. We like to see the grand finale. But he likes to see the work begin. He's saying, don't despise when you are on your face praying for rain he likes to see it begin we like the grand finale why though because here's the thing think about elijah i believe that he was closer to god when he was had his head between his knees and he was praying for god to send rain than he was when he was outrunning that chariot he was closer to god because he's praying passionately he's close to god he's like god Man, just make me clean. Make me pure. Don't let anything hinder my communication with you. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. At the end, he's like, woohoo, I can run, you know? But man, he was closer to God before in the journey, in the process. It's like being a parent. You have a baby. So it's like, well, I mean, what, what do we think? It's like, we're going to have a baby, and then boom, next week they get married and move out. I mean, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, that would be great, you know? I've been praying for my kids to get married to move out for a while now. It's like I'll get a pay raise every time one moves out. And, um, but, but no, I mean, there's a process there, right? There's a journey there. And, and myself, as a, if you're a parent or ever hope to be a parent someday, man, we realize that there's joy in the journey. Like I, I know at some point there's going to be a time when my kids get married and they move out and they go on with their life. But man, I want to enjoy the journey that I'm in now with them. Because at some point in time, I'll look back and say, man, they just grew up so fast and I miss, miss those days. See, it takes faith to enjoy the present as much as the final result. Because often, 
We just want the final result. We just want the grand finale. We want it now. And it's hard for us to be patient. I don't want to be patient. I just want it now. God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, and I want it now so I can forget about you and move on with my life. But we're closer to God in the process than if it just happened. We're in the journey, which brings us to the point that the process is the point. The process is the point. See, we like the payoff, don't we? We like the grand finale. We like the payoff. But somewhere between the promise and the payoff is the process. And that process can be years, but that process is the point. See, there's the promise, and then there's the process, and then there's the payoff, and then we get the perspective at the end. The perspective is when we look back and say, oh, why did I even doubt God to begin with? What in the world was I thinking? Maybe you've been in that situation. Man, it seems like the whole world is crashing and we're panicking. God, please, please, please bail me out. And we're looking out. We don't see any clouds on the horizon. We're like, God, God, help me, God, help me. But then after the payoff, then we get the perspective like, oh, what was I thinking? Whoa, like, why didn't I trust God? He was there every step of the way. We'll close with this verse, James 5, 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So why end with that? Why end this whole book with that, talking about bringing back people that are wandering in their faith? Because in the end, it's all about heaven. It's all about our relationship with God. It's all about when we put our faith and our trust in Christ. And sometimes we're, I said, we're praying. We got a problem that we're facing, but here's the thing. Listen, God knows about your problem before you even experience it. But God was already working on the situation, already working on the solution to the problem, even before you knew you had a problem. He was already working on the solution. And sometimes we're just out there, we're just fearful. We're living in fear, but we need to stand up. We need to be brave. We need to have courage. We need to have faith. No one said, I'm in the process. I'm in the journey right now. And even before I knew I had a problem, God was working on the solution. And all I need to do is keep putting one foot in front of the next. Don't despise the process. That's where God is. He's in the process. And maybe you're in the process now. And he brings it all back to, but don't forget the most important thing is putting our faith and trust in God, which is our last point. It's all about eternal life. It's all about eternal life. It's all about putting our faith and our trust in a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son. That we have all these sins, we have all this baggage, all this garbage that we carry around through life. And yeah, we may never get a physical healing, but he's saying, I'm going to offer you a spiritual healing, a healing that will heal your soul, that will make you whole and complete. And man, that's the biggest miracle that can ever happen. And, and I don't know where you are in your, your journey with faith in Christ. Some of you have been, been followers of Christ for many years now, and some of you maybe just a short period of time. And some of you maybe have never made that step. And some of you made the step once, but said, you know what? Maybe you got turned off by some stuff that was going on. But the reality is, 
is that it's all about having that relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we go through hard times. We're like, I prayed once or twice or three times, but I just gave up and says, God didn't answer my prayer, then I might as well just turn my back on it. No, God is in the process. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and we thank you that you are all powerful. You are all knowing. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You alone are trustworthy and you alone have the power to give us true healing and true forgiveness of our sins, that you can make us whole. Lord, we put our our trust and our faith in you. We believe what you say when you say that you are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one comes to the Father except through you. And we confess that. Help us, Lord. Help us not to get so focused on on some grand finale. But let us stay content in the process to realize that you're there drawing us closer to you. In Jesus' name, would you stand with us? We're going to sing here in a moment. And, um, but, you know, I just want to, you know, kind of just challenge you. You know, if there's stuff that you want prayer for, I said, I, I believe that prayer accomplishes great things. And we'll have some folks up here that would love to pray with you. You know, even anoint you with oil if that's something that you wanted to. If not, that's cool too. But, um, but we want to pray with you. And, uh, and, and, you know, I would just encourage you to just live this week. Whatever comes at us, trust. You know what? I'm in the process. I might not be at the grand finale yet, but God has not abandoned me. I'm still in the process. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.